Welcome to the Church on the Rock podcast. It is our prayer that this message brings hope and encouragement into your life as you go about your week. Thanks for tuning in. Spring training. Spring's on the way. Everything's good, right? Then I get over here to Huntley and my doorbell gets blown off the car. What is up with this? Um, So, point is you all should move to Sycamore. So... (laughs) Man, it is good to be in the house of the Lord today. I'm excited about today's message. Uh, There was electricity in the air during the singing. I'll tell you that second song. Oh my goodness, what a powerful, powerful new song. Good job, worship team. Amen. And uh, well, he's having fun on the turn and talk, which has turned into be something really that we enjoy here at Church on the Rock because we don't get to see by each other through the week that much and that turn and talks turned into a big deal and I noticed the time was out and I was like well it's time to get going with what's next and then I realized I was next so then I started panicking and hyperventilating (laughs) and uh, so we're ready to get it going, amen, with the sermon today. If you have your Bibles, uh, if you're in search, you got an in search, you can follow along. If you have your Bibles, you might turn to Mark chapter 1. But you know something, uh, I'm, I'm shocked or stunned by the explosion of interest for self-help instruction. Uh, I went on some of, I, I went on iBook this past week and I looked up some of the best sellers on self-helps and here's what I came up with. One of them is unfunk yourself. Get out of your head and get into your life. And then there was one that said, designing your love. How to build a beautiful and well-designed and orderly life in 40 days. Well, I need that book. And then we got the self-love experiment. 15 principles of being more kind, compassionate, and accepting of yourself. And then this was maybe my favorite one. It said, the universe has your back, transforming fear to faith. And I'll tell you, turn to your neighbor and say, isn't it good to know today that the universe has your back? Oh, isn't that a good thing to know today? Amen. I know the God of the universe. Come on. I know the God of the universe has my back. But you know, uh, I'm not against self-help. In fact, I, I think uh, I, I like reading self-help books, and I'm not against that, and I'm not making fun of it. Uh, I think they have a, a, a place uh, that people can get things. I, in fact, the time that they resonate with me is when I notice what they're saying is in the Bible. Are you all with me? But in my opinion, people are more open. People say they're not, but in my opinion, people are more open to religion or to, to things of the Spirit more now than any time that I can remember. I think that there's a a search for people to feel an inborn, innate, a primal longing for change. People feel like there needs to be a change somewhere. And because of that, there's so many substitutions that people are turning to while they're trying to find this help. And some of the substitutions, instead of church, we have yoga studios. Instead of worship, we have Super Soul Sunday with Oprah. Instead of teaching, we have TED Talks. Instead of pastors, we now go to therapists. Instead of communities, we have gym memberships and clubs. Instead of Bible studies, there's book reading clubs. Instead of retreats to get away and find God, we have motivational seminars. 
Instead of silence and solitude and prayer, we now have what's called mindfulness. In fact, at my counselor this last week, I said, could you tell me what mindfulness is? And uh, he explained to me what mindfulness was, and I was like, okay. (laughs) These are all substitutes. These are all substitutes to the real. And I'm telling you, they're fake fillers, and they leave people empty and unsatisfied. Jude says, in the book of Jude, it says, they're like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They're like trees in the autumn that are, that are doubly dead, for they're bare, they bear no fruit, and they've been pulled up by the root. How, do we, how many of you know, as well as I know, that the real antidote, the real meaning that our society is in search of, is only found through a relationship with Jesus Christ? And I'll tell you the other place that it's found, it's found in biblical community. We are the most connected and the most plugged in and the most accessible people, but we are the most lonely people on the face of the earth that, they, they, that we've ever seen in history. The most connected, but the most lonely. People are tired. I'll tell you what, uh, we're going to have a, a backlash I think from the 90s and the, and the mega church, and I think we're going to have a backlash from the iPhones and exactly what that connectivity and that Facebooking and Twitter, what the effects of that really are. Because it's driving people to isolation, but God's driving us and calling us to church community. And that's some of what we're trying to do here at Church on the Rock. But we live in a culture... And we live in a, in a time where, where they no longer say and they no longer call it original sin. People know something's wrong and people don't know what's, they know something's up and they, they know things aren't working like they're supposed to, but they don't realize that what we know is that's called original sin. So what they do is they have to shift blame to something external when really the problem is something internal. The problem with society is not an external thing, it's an internal thing, and, and people haven't discovered that. So we, we, what we do is we start putting the blame game on everybody. Well, the problem with life is the Democrats. I remember when President Obama was in office. My goodness, I'd go down to my mom and dad's, you wouldn't believe what President Obama got blamed for. And then now we have President Trump in. You wouldn't believe what President Trump gets blamed for. I'm like, that person, they they have that much power? Come on, really? And then people putting the blame. Well, it's the market's fault. Well, it's corporate's fault. Well, it's my family's fault. Well, it's, 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 it's her fault or it's his fault. It's global warming. It, it's, something, it's something else's fault. But really, the, what people, the, the emptiness that people are trying to fill, it's something inborn. It's something inside that only Jesus can take care of. It's the it's, the it's, the it's, the it's. The problem isn't external, but it's an internal problem. Amen. So the question isn't what isn't in our society and in, in people's life today. The question isn't this. Do we want to change? If we went around to every person here today and said, tell me something in your life that you want to change. I think it would be 100%, kind of like, the, like death. It's going to be 100% for everybody. I think it would be 100% something you want to change about yourself. You want to change your weight. Some of you want to change your marriage partner. Uh, no, <laughs> just kidding, don't do that. You, you, want to, you want to change this, you want to change that. We want to change a job. We want to change uh, uh, some habit. But, but it, uh, everybody's got something that they want to change. So the question isn't uh, that we want to co- change. The question is, how do we change? How do we change? And I'll tell you, self-help won't do it. It'll get you a, a little bit. It might get you in the direction, and it might get you going that way. 
but ultimately only God can do it. We, we are in a vision series, so how can we do it? We're in a vision series. We're learning what it means to be a disciple or an apprentice or, or you might say a follower of Christ, whatever you want to call it, but we're in that. So the how, it is, the order, it is ordering our life around these three things. Church on the Rock, let's say our mission statement together because we've been spending some time with it. Our first goal is to be with Jesus. Everybody say, be with Jesus. Our second goal is to become like Jesus. Everybody say, become like Jesus. And our third goal is to do what Jesus did. I believe here lies, in, in these three goals, I believe that that is the place that we need to start to find that change. Everybody say transformation. That transformation that we're looking for. Followers of Jesus are those who arrange. If you want to be an apprentice or a follower of Jesus or somebody that's following the way, if that's you, here's, here's a definition of you. Followers of Jesus are those who arrange their whole lives around the goal of being transformed into the image of Jesus. The Greek word for transformation is metamorpho. This is where we get our word metamorphosis. Webster's Dictionary of Met- Metamorphosis is this. It's a profound change in form from one stage to the next in the history of an organism. As from the caterpillar to the pupa and from the pupa to the adult butterfly. That is a great metaphor, I believe, for what we're looking at and what we're trying to do. We're wanting to see that change from a caterpillar into a butterfly. We're wanting to see that metamorphosis happening in, in our lives. But not only do we want to see that, and people want change, and they want to see change in our life, but here's the, here's the real fact. The real fact is people feel stuck. People feel stuck. They feel stuck in their family origin, or they feel stuck in their past, or they feel stuck in an addiction, whether it's porn, whether it's a, an alcohol or substance, whether it's the iPhone, whether it's the internet, whether it's the work, whatever it is, people feel stuck. People feel stuck in patterns of relationships. People feel stuck, and what they do when they feel stuck, they keep repeating the same old things that they've always done because they always go back to what they know. It's not that people don't want to change or that we're not trying to change. I think it's we don't know how to change. We're being formed, brothers and sisters. We are being formed by something. You're you're being transformed into something one way or another. And the first one I wanted you to see on the board is unintentional formation. We're being formed by something. Some of us are being formed unintentionally. And that's where you're, you're being formed by the stories that you believe. The things that you learned in college. The thing that you learned growing up in elementary school. But the stories that we believe are forming us into our thought patterns and, and what we think about something. And then the other things that we're being formed are the habits that we have formed. They're forming us. And then the other thing that forms us is relationships that we're in. They form us. And then all that's in the environment that we live in. So you put all that together, that is a forming that is happening in your life that we need to get a hold of and move to our next slide, which is intentional spirit formation. With intentional spirit formations, we replace stories with teaching from the Word of God. In other words, we take what we've been told, we line it up, we put it square to square with the Word of God, and if it's not the Word of God, get rid of it. Teaching. 
We put teaching instead of stories we believe or things we've been told. You know, they were told the earth was flat. The earth wasn't flat. And everybody believed the earth was flat. But the earth wasn't flat. Stories we believe forms our opinions and our thoughts and who we are. But we need to change stories into what does the Word of God say. And instead of habits, we need to replace habits because habits may be bad habits. We need to replace habits. We need to replace that with practices. I believe that the modern day church, that everybody comes to church, they get their Bibles out, they highlight their Bibles, they write good notes in their Bibles, they write, take good notes in their inserts, and we get a whole lot of knowledge, and we get a whole lot of teaching, and we get a whole lot of information. But I think the church needs to, to change from being a place like right now to where we're sitting and we're hearing a speech or we're hearing a teaching, which is good. That's what we need to do. But to me, instead of uh, conference centers and coming in as a place to sit down and learn something, to me, churches need to turn into dojos to where we're practicing waxing on and waxing off. And we're practicing the Word of God. We hear teaching, but we need to practice. Where's the practice? And I'm not going to get on that today. That's next week. But after practice... I believe that we're being formed through practice and we do it through community. The forming, the spiritual formation that God wants to do in every person's life, you can't do it isolated. It happens in community. That's in the Bible. And instead of environment, we replace that, thank God, with the Holy Spirit. How many know the Holy Spirit can change us? Everybody out there today say amen. So that's what I mean between unintentional forming and intentional formation. So we're becoming someone over a period of time. We all are being formed into someone or something. Who or what are you becoming like? If we were to plot the trajectory over 20 years from now, could it be Jesus that you become like? Or could it be something completely opposite of that? I think that's a good question. I would like to grow to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus is someone that's free from anxiety, that's unhurried, unstressed. Someone that has the power over evil and over habits. Someone that has mastery over bad habits. Someone has a true love and kindness. I want to be in 20 years. I want to be in five years. I want to set an intentional trajectory to where five years from now that I'm someone who lives the Sermon of the Mount and doesn't just know the Sermon on the Mount. Of course, I love my enemies. What else would I do? Take a gun and kill them? Of course, I simply, I live simply and I have radical generosity. What else would I do? Keep my money only for myself and only do what I want? Of course, I live my life free of anxiety and worry. God himself is my father. Of course, I forgive people. Of course, I do that. Why? Because I don't just hear a teaching but I practice it, and I learn it in biblical community, and I'm becoming spiritually formed intentionally. I think people are being formed unintentionally. Some of you can't help the, the idiots your parents are. Some of you can't help the things that's been done to you. Some of you can't help, can't help it. But now we're at a place you're hearing the Word of God preached. You're hearing, you're, you're hearing truth today. And I'm telling you that no matter where you are or what you've done or where you're at, 
There can be a transformation that I believe people are really, really looking for. You know, Jesus, society isn't much different than when Jesus came. Man, they were in Greek philosophy. And, and, and um, if you look at the empire when Jesus came and some of the very same things that Jesus dealt with, it is almost take it and put it on top of the way our society is today. It, it, it's the same. Everybody thinks, well, it's different. It's the same. And so Jesus came preaching. Everybody say teaching. Jesus came teaching the kingdom of God. This is a big deal. Jesus did not do a self-help thing as we see culture trying to do. He did it much larger with a much larger idea. And he did what he called. He said, this is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God has come to you. That's what he said. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. In other words, the gospel, the message. What is that message? Jesus said, the time promised by God has come at last. How many is ready for something to come to you at last? That that you're in a situation and you're like, I need something to come to me right now. Well, the kingdom of God has come to you at last. He announced, the kingdom of God is near. And then he said this, repent of your sins. I want you to underline that. Repent of your sins and do this, and believe. Everybody say believe. Believe in the good news. So the central theme of Jesus' teaching was the kingdom of God. This brand new reality that our world had not yet known yet. One of the things simply being, you now have a father, father God, Abba. Dad, God, instead of something that seems distant and far off. There is breaking news from heaven where creator God and his rule and reign with regards to his relation to his created, it was fixing to change. The kingdom of God, I want you to think about that. The kingdom of God has come. It's near. It's accessible. It's open to you. The kingdom of God is near, accessible, and open to you today. But what Jesus did, he asked two things of the church. He asked two things of you guys. The call of response he was looking for from the crowd was this. Repent and believe. The Greek word for repent is met and oao. I did a... That's actually pronounced right. Met, oh, met and oao. And it means this, repent, it means this, I changed my mind, I'm changing my thoughts, I'm changing my mind, I'm changing what I think, I'm changing the stories I believe, I'm changing what I've been told, I'm changing what I've thought. I want to ask you guys, some of you that's been wallowing in the same pig pit for years, how's it going for you? How's it going for you? You like your mud hole? You like your mud hole? I'm telling you, you can get out of that mud hole and get cleaned by the word of God and your life can change because the kingdom of God is near. It's accessible. It's here. It's here. The Greek lexicon says this, that that, that means to change one's way of life as a result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. 
what sin is and what righteousness is. I think, I think that's gray where the world doesn't even know that. Repent is to reimagine. Listen, repent is to reimagine your life from the ground up through the lens of the kingdom of God. To redream your life from top to bottom around a whole new way of thinking that's not humanistic. And by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, this rethinking and this re-imaging is actually going to change you. It's to believe what Jesus says over what you think and what you've been taught. I wrote this down today. You'll have to write this down. Matthew 5, 21 through 48. I woke up this morning and I kept hearing in my spirit, it's been said unto you, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, you need to read this Matthew 5, 21 through 48 on your own. But Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, it's been said unto you. Like he said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But then he says, but I say unto you, if a man hits you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. If the man takes your coat, give him your cloak also. If a, man, if a man forces you to go a mile with him in forgiveness, go two miles with him. Go ten miles. Jesus said, I want to change your way of thinking. It's been said unto you. But I say unto you. How many want to redream your life? How many want to redream your marriage? How many want to redream the way things are going for you? Redreaming comes through re-imaging and aligning our uh, faith and our lives up with God's word and coming in agreement with, with that word and then we see a new life happen right before us it's been said do this but I say do this it's been said look out for a number one because nobody else looks out for you how many think that's a kingdom principle no that's not a kingdom principle at all the Bible says the greatest golden rule is to love people as you love yourself. So reimagination re re of life in God's kingdom is the first step to transformation. Teaching, teaching, remember the diamond, teaching is aimed first and foremost at the mind and the imagination. Teaching is counter to the stories that we believe. Teaching, when done right, will give you an alternate vision of a good life. I want to say that again. Teaching, when done right, will give you an alternate vision of what the good life is. Teaching will say that story that you believed, actually that's not true. It's a lie. Teaching from God's word will say that narrative or that script that you live by of human origin that a professor or somebody told you or you were taught uh, actually, that's not real. And that's not true. It's not. The worldview that you brought into, well, it's really not that way. The idea that you have of marriage and sex and family and relationship that the world's told you, well, it's not exactly like that. It's like this. But we bought in to the stories and the lies of this world and our marriages are in trouble. Our families are being destroying each other. Our communities are, aren't living together. We're not taking care of each other. Man, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof is the ways of death. Jesus said, I am the way. 
the truth, and the life. Any man who believes that, we got to believe that today, amen? I still believe, like some of, you, some, of you, some of you haven't even learned this, putting God first in living, putting God's house first, putting God first in your finances, putting God first in the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And we haven't even got Matthew 5, 36, 33, which says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these other things will be added unto you. I'm telling you, there is a way. There's a way that seems right to this world, but it leads a pathway of death. And that's why so many people are looking. And I'm telling you, it starts with repentance. It starts with teaching and repentance that changes first how you think about something. Paul, I wrote this down, delivered, translated, and seeded. Paul in the book of Romans chapter 11 said this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because he's done this for you. Uh, let them be a living and a holy sacrifice. It's, it's fi- I find this acceptable. This is a true way to worship him. Look at this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How does transformation happen? Let God transfer you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. How many is looking for that? Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand for that. That's a powerful scripture. That's a powerful scripture. Paul's first step was he called people to a renewal of mind. The first step of transformation towards discipleship is changing the way you think. It's not a one-time act. It it happens. It's an ongoing, continual process. Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, repeatedly talks about the mind. I started thinking about this. God created us. And one of the most amazing things about human creation, which there's a lot of amazing things when you get into blood, just blood itself and DNA, amazing things. But another thing that's pretty doggone amazing that they can't put their finger on at all is the human brain. And if God puts something, it's like a tool, it's like something that we have, well, we need to know a little bit about our head. And brothers and sisters, the Bible talks a lot about the head about the thoughts, about the mind. He didn't just leave you out there with this powerful thing called the brain and leave you out there beating in the wind trying to know how to function with this high-powered brain that you have. You have a high-powered brain. How do I deal with this? How do I deal with this thing that God gave me? Paul talked about it all the time. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows Enough to teach him, but we understand these things. We have the mind of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. Um, the weapons of our warfare are, are mighty, and, and, and we cast down human reasoning, and we destroy false arguments. We capture rebellious thoughts, and we teach them to obey Christ. See, there, there's, there's, there's little to-dos that we got to do with this brain that we've been given. Colossians 3, 1 says, If you're raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above. Where Christ at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. And Joyce Meyer says, set your mind and keep it set on things above and not on this earth. Let this mind be in you. Philippians 2.5. Philippians 4.8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, this final thing. Fix your thoughts on true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable things. For this is how you're supposed to do it. 
Dallas Willard said this. This is powerful, so listen real close. Dallas Willard said this. The process of spiritual formation in Christ is one of progressively replacing destructive images and ideas with the images and ideas that filled the mind of Jesus himself. Spiritual formation in Christ moves towards a total interchange of our ideas and our images for his. Your pastor's going off the deep end. I studied neuroplasticity for four hours this week. I studied neuroplasticity for four hours this week. Neurons, basically, here's what I came up with. Neurons that are wired together, fire together. Of all the billions of neurons and things in our mind, neurons that wired that are wired together, they fire together. Turk, Kirk Thompson said this, neurons that repeatedly activate in a particular pattern are statistically more likely to fire in that same pattern. If they are activated... Meaning, if you think one thought, you're more likely to think that thought again. Once, that initial, once the initial neurons in that network fire, there's a high probability that the related neurons will also activate and move along that same bioelectrical pathway. Wow, bioelectrical pathway to the end of that network. The more frequently the patterns have been fired, the more easily they will fire in that same pattern again in the future. That's why you can, women, that's been, that's why we can immediately know how to cook spaghetti that you make every week. But when it comes to the Thanksgiving dinner that you make once a year, you have to get Betty Crocker cookbook out. Okay? So that, that's basically what that means. Kirk gives us the example of hiking. Get this, you guys. Kirk gives us this example of hiking through a jungle with a machete. This really helped me. He gave this example that with our mind and with our thoughts is like hiking through a deep, dense jungle with a machete. The trail you hack out through the jungle is your thought life. The jungle is the billions of thoughts in your brain. Some people have more thoughts than others, seriously. When you think a thought is when you're cutting a trail through the jungle. And once you decide you're going to cut a trail, you, you, you do it once, then you do it twice. Then you do it three, four, five, six. And by the tenth time, it's starting to get a little clearer. Then it gets to when you start to, start to go to this part of your jungle or this part of your life, you just automatically take that route without even thinking about it. Okay? Even if it's a dangerous trail. Even if it's not a healthy route. Even if there's a better way because bioelectrically, that's the way you're wired your brain to do it. Okay? So neurological mapping is a good thing and it's a bad thing. Number one, it's a good thing. It's why I can remember my wife's name. Hi, Carmen. How <laughs> I many remember 51st dates with Adam Sandler <laughs> where the woman got up every day and who are you? Are you all with me? So, so... Uh, uh, and and a, it's good in, in that we don't we we know those things, but it's bad because you get stuck in the same mental and emotional patterns that are harmful and toxic, dysfunctional thinking that points you right in the same direction, and you do again. But guys, there's hope today. The reason I like the word neuroplasticity 
The reason I like that is because narrow means the mind, but plasticity, and I think this is awesome about Creator God. The reason I like plasticity is because that means that it can be shaped or remolded or changed. You can change the hard wiring how you think with Jesus teaching. You can change it. You can change it. I'm not going to tell you it's easy. I'm not telling you it's easy. But you can change it. The Word teaches us to change it. The Word teaches us to repeal. Repeal. You wouldn't believe the devil, the things the devil will tell me. The devil will tell me you're an idiot. You don't know how to speak. You don't know how to pastor the church. Um, the membership's going to fail. What are you doing? Th- repeal. 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 Take the hatchet out. Repeal. 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 Your marriage isn't ever going to make it. Your husband's always going to be a, a, a stick in the mat. And, and, and somebody that's not going to treat, repeal, repeal, repeal. And say, my husband will treat me with honor. My husband will be the husband that God's called him to be. With your kids in the direction it looks like, repeal, 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 repeal. You're weak. You're not going to make it. You're going to fall to that habit. You're going to do it again. Repeal, repeal, repeal. Repeal. Get the machete out. Repeal. And, and, and put a thought together. No, you're, you're a sinner. No, I'm the righteousness of Christ. You're ugly. Your sins, here's the one the world always says, your sins are going to find you out. They're going to catch you. Uh, you it, they're going to catch you. No, your sins are as far as the east from the west so far if the Lord removed your transgressions. The problem is people just get in agreement with all this stupid thinking in their head. And they... Hatch it out a trail through the jungle of their thoughts. And they take the same old trail. Amen. Where God's wanting you to make a new trail. Amen. He wants you to replace the lie that you're believing. He wants you to replace the stories that you believed. He wants you to replace the habits that you had. And start practicing the things of God. Amen. And as you begin to do that. I, I was. I mean I speak this message to everybody. I, I tell people that. And I can spend an hour talking to somebody. And then they start talking. It's like they haven't heard a thing I said. They go right back to that same old stuff. I'm not telling you it's easy. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. You can read it on your own. But we got to keep yourself in the kingdom of God. I want to give you some nuts and bolts. Here's some way to get teaching in your mind and imagination. Our brains have to be rewired. Here's some ways you can do it. Reading your Bible. I know, Kim, I know you're reading the whole thing. It wants, it's good to take a big block. Where are you at now, Kim? Huh? You're halfway through. She's reading the whole Bible. Reading the whole Bible. That's good to do the block. Um, it's good to, but, and then you can do short, uh, small sections. Uh, it's good to read large chunks, but then you have small chunks. And we, ha- we call this soap. Write down soap. Soap is when you take a small chunk and you read a scripture or one chapter and then you observe, you inspect, you examine, you study, you survey the word. And then you write and you think about how I can practice, how I can apply it that way. And then P is you pray about it. And guys, here's the key is when you pray about things, you can't change yourself. 
Your environment causes unintentional formation in you. But when you get the environment of the Holy Spirit in your life, that's when you can stand on Philippians 2.13 that says this. I think this is a powerful scripture. It says, it says, For God is working in Brian, giving Brian the desire and the power what, to what pleases him. Because what I don't want to do is get into performance and works. But when we get into the Holy Spirit as the transforming agent, then it's Him at work in us. He, the Holy Spirit gives you the desire and the power to do it. I remember when I was trying to quit chewing skull. Brian did not have the desire to quit chewing skull. I love skull. Doesn't every farm boy love skull? Or Copenhagen? All right. I mean, you, 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 Grandpa did it, and Dad did it, and they handed it to you. But uh, uh, they, we're going to talk about that a little bit today, too. But I didn't have the desire. Some of you don't have a desire to treat your spouse right. Their voice is like fingernails on a chalkboard. You're angry with them. You, you don't like them right now. The Lord will give you the desire. Come on. The Lord will give you the desire. And the power to do it. Read your Bible. Reading books. Guys, I, I have been reading like never before. Because I decided to quit saying I can't um, process. And I, when I read, it's like I didn't even read nothing. The Lord said, quit doing that. You're smart. And I've been reading neuroplasticity. <laughs> I, right now, the Lord is having me read secular books. Because I want to see the way the world's thinking. Man, I'm reading one right now, The Ten Causes of Depression and Anxiety. I can't wait to start preaching that one here at Church on the Rock. Because there are ten reasons I know the answer. And their ten, ten reasons are dead on. Okay? Read books. Sitting under teaching at church. At church. I believe that seeing, the next one is podcasting. Podcasting is a great way to learn things, brothers and sisters. Find people that, that are in different city or, or somewhere. There's some great teachers out there. Find some. Listen to podcasts. But guys, let's don't do Instagram and podcasting. We don't see each other face to face. There is an ingredient to this. Everybody out there? There's a difference in this. Getting a mentor. Getting in community. You can even have a, I say this in respect. I really do. This is in deep, deep respect. You can even have a dead mentor. I got Billy Graham books sitting on my, in my library. You, he can still mentor me. Yes. Dallas Willard that I'm getting a lot out of right now. He's dead. David Wilkerson's. He's dead. You can have dead mentors that can still mentor you. Don't get caught up. Don't get caught up in this, guys. I used to say, oh, God, I want a spiritual father. I, 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 want, a, I want a dad. I, I want somebody to take me under their wing. I want somebody to love me. I want somebody to train me. I want somebody to teach me. Guys, I started pastoring when I was 19. I used to beg God 
I used to beg God for a mentor. I used to beg God for a dad. I, I wasn't even in an organization. It was non-denominational. But I, God was a mentor to me. The Holy Spirit was a mentor to me. I'm not saying you shouldn't look for a mentor. But don't blame people if you don't get that mentor you're looking for. I see some of you looking around because I know that you're encouraging each other to get mentors. I'm for mentoring. But I'm also telling you you can get mentoring by dead people and by books and, and other things too. I remember one time I was so discouraged as a pastor. I was 21 years old. Didn't feel like I knew my head from a hole ground. Had just received a, 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 a letter from a bunch of church members. They came to church. We had about 50 people in the church, 32 people came to the church with earplugs in because we started singing courses and not hymns only. So they put earplugs in their church and they said, we won't come to a church that sings something besides out of the hymnal. And they pulled their earplugs out and they said, see how good you do, preacher boy, without our tithe. And that same group of people gave me 21 reasons you stink as a pastor. Think about if I'd have listened to that. Think about if I'd have listened to the devil's lies when we were out in that foyer. This is a church plant. We started with 12 people in the home. Think if we'd have listened to those lies when we were out in that foyer when we didn't have enough money to pay the bills and they had to, Jay said, the hardest thing is when the council had to come to me and say, Brian, we can't pay you anymore because we got to pay the bills. I remember the day the Lord said, don't look at the people. Pastor Tim, that hit me when we was looking at your work down there the other day, that same feeling. Don't look at the people because if I look at the people, it'll never be fulfilled. But son, put your eyes on me today. And see it fulfilled. See it fulfilled. So, um, so, so you can't stop as the musicians are coming. You can't stop here by just getting teaching in your mind. Listen to this. Don't let the musicians distract you because there's some really good stuff left here. Uh, don't stop here. Getting teaching in your mind through whatever medium, that's the first step of your transformation. But you, a lot of people stop there. They stop there. But you can't. Listen to this, you can't think your way, listen, you can't think your way to Christ-likeness. You can't think your way to Christ-likeness. You can't think your way to Christ-likeness because what you love has a great, great, far, far greater effect on you than what you know. You have to actually live it. Jesus said, repent and believe the good news of the kingdom of God. How many people, even today, how many people get inspired on Sunday morning? We'll even come to the front and we'll make a decision. We've heard teaching. We've highlighted our Bibles. We've filled out our insert. We've wrote things in our, we're feeling inspired and we're going to do this thing, buddy. We're going to do it. Let's see where you're at tomorrow night. Let's see where you're at by Thursday. Because you can't know your way to Christ-likeness. You have to practice your way. Wax on, wax off. You have to get your heart pure and come to, listen to me, you have to get your heart pure and come to grips with what you really love.
What do you really love? Our problem isn't knowledge. We have knowledge. We know what we need to know. Listen to this. You might try to write this down. Information transfer alone is not enough for transformation. Information transfer alone. It's not enough for transformation. Because knowing something is not the same as doing it. Which is still, I got to throw this in, which is still not the same as wanting to do it. Some people want to do it. There are, there's a massive gap between what you know and what we do and another part, what we want to do. The problem isn't knowing what to do. The problem is doing what we know. There's a massive gap between what we know and what we do. Our problem isn't what we know. The problem is what we love. The problem is what we love. What we love in our heart has a far greater influence on what we do than what we know in our head. I want you to write that down. What we love in our heart has a far greater influence on what we do than what we know in our head. What we love in our heart has a far greater influence on what we do than what we know in our head. I know. This hit me last night. Joseph and Kristen, I'm going to get you for bringing that cheesecake. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what the problem is, it wasn't, it wasn't the cheesecake. Here's what I know. Don't eat after 7 o'clock. Don't drink coffee after 1 o'clock. I can't drink coffee after 1 o'clock sometimes when I hit 50. Don't drink coffee after 1. Don't eat after 7. And when you eat, don't eat scales, calamari, shell things. What else was in that dish I had? With Lagini and cooked this and that and spices. Would you like that spicy, sir? Don't do spicy, Brian. Don't do. Yes, I like spicy. I love spicy. Make it spicy as spicy can be. And it was spicy. And then the problem wasn't the wonderful rolls, the homemade rolls at the Italian restaurant, Italiano. Oh, the, where's Mary at today? Oh, the rolls, Mary. Mm, mwah, 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 mwah. The problem wasn't the rolls. It was the seven rolls I ate. Seven rolls. And then I told Joseph, I said, hey, Joseph, us farm boys, once you get done eating, you take your roll and you clean out your plate with it. That's the best way to eat a roll. And Joseph followed my story and believed it. That wasn't the problem. And then the cheesecake at home. And the decaffeinated coffee that still... Brian's like this all night. <laughs> and where's the Tums, mama? Where's the Tums? The problem isn't what I know. The problem is, and what has a greater influence on me, is what I love. What we love in our heart has a far greater influence on what we do than what we know in our head. My problem is love. Love is where we all get stuck. 
Listen as close as you can to my last sentence. Love is where we get stuck. We know something in our head. We talked about teaching today. But our heart is not there yet. How do we change that? Everybody ready? You will have to come next week. (laughs) And hear the answer to that story. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, let's stand to our feet today. Father, I ask him to leave the lights on. I don't like it dark at, at the end. I like to be able to see, uh, see people, see things. I want the word of God to have a true, I want the word to have a true and a lasting effect on you today as the hearer. I got a few questions for you. How many received the word today? How many received the word? Tell the Lord, say, I received this word today. Receive this word today. How many, how many, if you close your eyes right now, if you close your eyes right now, how many see the kingdom of God coming in your life that you can re-image something in a different way? You can re-image a situation or a scenario or something that you're stuck in. That's what Jesus did. He brought a new image, a new vision. A new way, the kingdom of God is at hand. You can open your eyes back up if you want to, whatever you want to do, but you have hope today in your situation because it can be re-imaged, neuroplasticity. It can be re-imaged, it can change because God made cool brains that can change. We just need to repent, change our mind, and believe. Guys, believe what that Bible tells you is true. Seriously, guys, if you run up to something and it's what you think or what you've been told or what the Bible says, would you please choose the Bible? Would you please choose the Bible? I want everybody to find a place of prayer today. I don't want you to leave and not do anything with the message. Find a place. I like it when people come forward. I want you to find a place of prayer and talk to Jesus. And I want you to re-image an area in your life that God wants to redo. And today when you take communion, I felt the Lord give this to me. I want, I want us to come, I want us to pause a moment. Take this sermon in. Repent where we need to. Change our mind where we need to. Re-image something. How many say I got something I need to re-image? Re-image something. And then I want you to come over and take communion. And when you drink the cup, I want you to hit a reset button. A start. How many need a, a restart? restart hit the restart hit the reset who's thankful for the reset all things are passed away it's all new under the blood hit the reset and then the second thing I want you to do is when you eat the bread I want that to be symbolization of the word to where you say this week God that new image of my marriage that new image you're wanting to give me I'm going to find it in the word Man can't live by bread alone, but by every word. When you eat the bread today, think of that as the word that you're going to get a hold of. And I want everybody to participate. As we sing this song, I want you to begin to come in Jesus' name. God bless you. Let's begin to come. For more information and to stay up to date with what's happening in the life of Church on the Rock, please visit us on the web at cotrag.org. 
Thanks again for tuning in.